Your experience at Joy Church will be unlike any church service you have ever attended before. We are not about religion. We are about a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. At Joy Church, you'll hear live and vibrant praise and worship music. You will be loved and encouraged. You will be confident that your children will learn about Jesus in a fun and safe environment. You'll be assured that your youth will be loved and accepted not only for who they are, but challenged to become who they were created to be. At Joy Church, God's Word is delivered through creative, humorous, and relative teaching that will help you apply the Bible to your life. There is a place here at Joy Church just for you, where you can begin to develop a vibrant and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ and discover your divine destiny. Get ready as Pastor Jim does his one-time session called Thanks Living, discovering it's not happy people that are thankful, but thankful people that are happy. And remember, if you're ever in the Mount Juliet area, please come visit us. For more information, visit our website, joychurch.net, for service times and events. We're doing a one-time teaching session that I'm very excited about during this Thanksgiving season entitled, Thanks Living. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, Thanks Living? Not just during this season, but all year around, as believers, we ought to live a lifestyle of thanksgiving. I love the subtitle. Subtitle's worth coming for. If you don't get anything out of it, but the subtitle, get that. Because it's discovering not happy people who are thankful, but thankful people who are actually happy. That's one of my secrets to success, is I am a happy, happy person and it's because I am so thankful. Any, anybody in the house think you're a good driver? No, it's, it's, it's amazing. Everybody thinks that they're a good driver. I mean, everybody. I've never asked somebody, are, are, you, are, are, you, are you a good driver? No, I'm, I'm an awful driver. I, I, I run old ladies over all the time. I'm an awful driver. No, no, no. It's so, so amazing. It's just like the consummate thing all around America. If you ask that question, anybody, are you a good driver? I mean, my 16-year-old just got his license. If you ask him, are you a good driver? He'd say, oh, yeah, I'm a good driver. Everybody thinks they are a good driver, and that's great, and that's nice, but the problem with that is that because you think you're a good driver, you complain about everybody else. And the truth is, ladies and gentlemen, not everybody is a good driver. Yeah, come on, you know what I'm telling you is true. And listen, that's a big trap in America. I want us to understand sometimes we're so blessed, but we don't even get it. Uh, I mean, we have, I've shared this before, we have a whole room dedicated to just clothes. It's called our closet. You understand that? And, and, and what, what do we do? I mean, my lovely wife, God bless her heart, she's got shoes, she's got stuff. and she, I mean, this closet is a large closet. And she'll go into that closet and she'll look over the things that she has. And what does she say? And what do all the women say in the house? There's nothing here to wear. <laughs> we have a little small room in our kitchen that's refrigerated. Filled with food. When we open it up, the light turns on. And when we stand in front of you, those filled with food, what do we say when we're looking at it? Man, there's nothing to eat. <laughs> we now have televisions, 
that have 120 channels and counting. How many old enough to remember when there was three? Uh, yeah, I, I, we had bunny ears and the three channels. Huh? You, you remember that? No, I'm not, but I asked Pastor Dave, and he's, he told me all about it. I mean, 120 channels, and what do we do? What do we do when we get in front of the television with the 120 channels? We say, there's nothing to watch. And if we're not cautious, we can be major, major complainers. Look at the life point. You know it. I, I share it all the time. Check it out. It's amazing how blessed we can be, but how ungrateful we are. I'm not saying that to condemn you in any way, shape, or form. I'm saying that to remind you we need to live a lifestyle of thanks living. Look at the second life point. This will help kick it off even further. This will make sense to you. Complainers really are not obtainers. And I chose a long time ago, you have to make that choice. I have to make that choice. Since complainers are not obtainers and excusers are losers and gripers get the vipers and moaners are loners, how many at some point want to be thankful? Because even amongst the church, if we're not cautious, we can complain. And if you don't believe that, check this out. Oh, my gosh. Did you see how long that service was? Yep. He's getting so boring, too. I mean, oh, my God. He's as boring as the day is long. I know. And the praise team, they were awful. They were totally off key. I mean, it was like Pastor Dave was up there running it. I would have rather heard Pastor Dave. I know. <laughs> what do you expect for only a dollar? That's your son. Right back at you. Right back at you. <laughs> I got to tell you a little secret. Can I tell you a little trade secret? I always love Easter because at Easter time, how many know everybody comes to church over Easter? And we have, of course, our counters and they do everything with integrity and all that. But they are in the offering room for hours after Easter service. And you know why? So many people give a dollar. <laughs> So what do you expect for a dollar? <laughs> come on, come on, encourage our Acts of Joy team. I love it. I like it. Now let's, let's look at our key verse because this is not about me just harping on you. This is, that's not what we're doing. We really want to turn this thing around. We want to help us live a lifestyle of thanks to living. Let's look at our key verse. We're going to look at Luke chapter 17. I'm going to see a really powerful story here amongst 10 lepers that I think contains a lot of revelation. Check it out. Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jeru Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him 10 men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Now, I really want you to understand this. If you check out Leviticus 13, which I don't really encourage you to do because it's kind of boring. <laughs> But if you check out Luke, or Leviticus chapter 13, you'll find all the Levitical law that lepers had to adhere to during the time. And it was awful, you guys. It was just awful. They had to wear masks. Uh, they, they had to wear a certain garb all the time. They weren't allowed to take it off. When they were in public in any way, shape, or form, as they were going about their business, they had to shout at the top of their lungs, unclean. Everywhere, everywhere they went, unclean. It was an awful thing, and, I, and I, I promise I don't mean this to crass or unkind. I'm just telling you the truth about it. 
literally in leprosy, uh, people think that leprosy is a skin disease. It's actually a nerve disease that's manifested in the skin. And literally body parts fall off of lepers. And what would happen at the time because of all the malnourishment and because of, of the society and the uncleanliness, rats would gnaw on the digits of lepers and literally tear off fingers and toes. And it was an awful state to be in. So imagine they were not allowed to touch anybody or have any contact with anybody. Can you imagine the love deficit, that the emotional deficit, and, and just the identity deficit that these people had? Now, just to give you an idea of what we're talking about and take it off of Sunday School Lesson 101 and really get it down into the nitty-gritty. <clears throat> Look what happened. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go and show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Next verses. And one of them, remember say one of them. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at, at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were they're not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith has made you whole. Now, this is something that I want you to understand because in most cases when it came to lepers, as I mentioned before, uh, noses would fall off, or fingers would fall off, or fingernails would fall off. All of them were healed, all ten of them were healed, but only one was made whole. And because that person was made whole, if that person didn't have a finger or a nose or a toe, God gave that person back their finger or their nose or their toe. But it was only one that was made whole. All were cleansed, but only one was made whole. And the one that was made whole was the thankful soul. Can you imagine getting healed of something that awful and not returning to give thanks? I mean, I really struggle with that. Because it, as your pastor, again, as I mentioned up here earlier, I am sure not a perfect pastor, but boy, am I a thankful pastor. I mean, that's, that's one of my keys to being so happy. And by the way, will you turn on the clock in the back? I have no idea what time it is. And that is a dangerous, dangerous thing for a pastor not to know what time it is. Come on, encourage our AV team. Come on. Turn on the clock, baby. Turn it on. There's the people, see, they're all getting nervous now. They're all getting nervous. Listen to me very, very closely. I can't even imagine not coming back to say thank you. I can't even imagine. And, and, but I've seen it. I, I, I mean, we've given literally thousands and thousands of dollars of people to, to help them and to bless them. Uh, I, we, I, I remember one uh, person, we gave a gift of $10,000 to the ministry. Didn't even write a thank you note. Now listen to me. I didn't do it for the thank you note, but I am not motivated to give again to somebody like that. Because that tells me something. If you're not saying thank you, that tells me it's owed to you. And I'm going to tell you right now, nobody owes you or me nothing. 
And that's why I'm such a grateful man. Nobody owes me nothing. Anything that I get is gravy to me, and that's why I am thankful I can't even imagine. I tell this story often, but it bears repeating. Plus, I have the microphone. Come on, to give the AV team the big encouragement. They turn the clock on. That's dangerous, people. That's, that's, that's dangerous. I, I tell this story, but it really is true. And it just, it's a great example of what I've been saying. Uh, a number of years ago, uh, we were walking on the beach, and it was myself and my wife and my mom, and, and, and we were walking in way out in the distance in the ocean. Someone was shouting for help. And we were way away from everybody. There was no lifeguards in town. And, of course, you guys know the story. If you've been around this church any length of time, you know I was a lifeguard when I was a kid, 15 to 20. How many saw me on Baywatch? <laughs> you remember I was awesome on that? Come on, turn, turn to your neighbor and say, don't give him any hassle, Paul. <laughs> Come on, no. Come on, it's Thanksgiving. Don't groan. There's no sense in groaning. Clock's back on. Everything's all right. And so way out in the distance, there's someone yelling for help, and, and there was no other person in town. And so I, I swam all the way out there, probably 75 yards out in the ocean. I was well into my 40s at the time, and that was a long way out there. And as I was swimming out there, I was trying to remember all of my training because it had been a long time since I'd been on Baywatch. <laughs> trying to remember all of my training. And, and, and the first thing they do is they tell you to calm the victim down, so that if you don't, because if you don't, they'll jump on you because they're drowning, and then you got a double drowning. And, and I thought from a distance, it looked like just a little boy, honestly. And I thought, well, this is not going to be so hard. But then as I swam out, and I discovered that, and I, I, I don't mean this mean, I just mean this factual. This was a woman who was over 300 pounds. So I had to just calm her down. I said, ma'am, I said, I, I, I'm here to help you. Just, just relax. Did you ever see me on Baywatch? That helped. That, you could tell. That, really, that, that helped. And, and so I remember all the things. I calmed her down, and I swam her all the way in. And, and you have, there's a certain way that you have to do that, and it's very taxing. You, you, have to, you have to get them underneath their chin, and you have to kind of do a side kick. And I had to swim her all the way in for that 75 yards, and it's in the ocean. So I finally got her all the way back in, and, and I got to tell you, by the time I got her all the way back in, I was pretty tuckered out. But I got her back in, and she was safe. And don't you know it? That woman did not even say thank you. So I grabbed her by the arm and swam her. <laughs> Pastor, I've heard, I've heard you say that before. I know it's funny still. It's funny still. I didn't swim her back out. But I was amazed that that woman did not say thank you. Can you imagine that? Same thing with these lepers. I don't understand. Really, my chemistry, I don't understand how you don't come back and say thank you. Come on, what do you say, church? We be the one. Not the nine that didn't come back, but we're the one that we live a life. So not just during Thanksgiving season, but 24-7, 365, we are a thankful people. Why, Pastor? Because listen to me, it's not the happy people that are thankful. It's the thankful people that are happy. You watch. Now, if you know anything about this church, if you're brand new here and I met a bunch of you and we're just honored to have you, if you know anything about this church, I, I, I want to help you. Jeremiah uh, 3 and verse 15, the Bible says, I'll give you pastors after God's own heart, watch this now, that will feed you with knowledge and understanding. If you ever want to recognize a true-hearted pastor, you look for two things. They feed you the knowledge of the word. That's the, listen to me, that's the what. 
but not just the knowledge, also the understanding. That's the how. And if your church or your pastor is not telling you how, you're just going to be frustrated. Because if you've got a good heart and your pastor just tells you what, here's what you need to do, John. And you're like, okay, if you've got a good heart, you want to do it. But if you don't know how, you're going to leave this house frustrated. So my goal is to be a pastor after God's own heart to tell you not only what, but how. So that if you've got a good heart and you do, you can leave here not frustrated, but you can leave here motivated. All right, I, I, I'm in, Pastor. I see, I see the benefit of it, and now I know how. Let's flesh it out on Monday. So here's the how. Are you ready? Three thoughts on Thanksgiving so that we can be one of those lepers that comes back and says, thank you. Thought number one, check it out. Recognize every good thing you have came from God. No, Pastor, you, you don't get it. My boss was the one that gave me a raise. Well, wait a minute now. Wasn't it God that gave you the talent? Wasn't it God that gave you breath? Wasn't it God that gave you the strength? Wasn't it God that gave you the wisdom? Wasn't it God that helped you excel? Your boss may have given you the raise, but James chapter 1 and verse 17 says that all good gifts come from God. Recognize that. It's imperative that we understand that. We've got to recognize that all good gifts come from God. Now, here's what I do. This is, you don't have to do this, but this is something that I do. I literally go around my house. I do it on a regular basis, not every day, but maybe once a week, maybe every other week, and I'll go around my house, and I will look for things that God has blessed me with. I'll look for them. I mean, little things. I go around the house, and I'll remind myself that right there, someone gave me that. I mean, I, I just some, one of you sweet people gave me and Ann for, for pastor appreciation, gave us quilts. She, they, she knitted quilts for us, and now it's getting cold out. And, man, I got that quilt on my bed, and it is awesome. I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, you get this quilt, you don't even need a wife. It's just, hey. Oh, come on. I'm just joking. I'm thankful. Don't leave me hanging. They're watching. All right, run on. They're all looking. They're all looking. First thing I'm thankful for is I'm thankful for my wife. Second thing I'm thankful for is I'm thankful for a 16-year-old boy that's serving God. Come on. Come on. But I'll go around the house, and I'll find little things, and I'll find big things. Someone gave me that. Someone gave me that. Someone gave me that. Someone gave me that. That came from God. Thank you, Lord. And I go around the house, and it takes a while, but what a fun thing to do. Just recognize that every good gift comes from God. Isn't that good news? Oh, man, that's good news. Second thought that you need to understand, if we're going to live a lifestyle of thanksgiving, check it out. Number two, never let the blessings that you want Rob you of the blessings that you have. That's worth coming for right there. Listen to me very closely. Sometimes if we're not cautious, we can be pretty ungrateful concerning some things. Isn't that true? And if you don't believe that, believe this. Check it out. The wind should help him. It's the wind. Low snap. Kick is up. Wow. God, this is amazing. It's more beautiful than I ever imagined. Is that my house? This house is yours for eternity. This is a very special house, a prime location on that cloud. Look, it's got a little M on the front door. 
all my stats on the walls. Look at when I made that kick in the Rose Bowl. Oh my goodness. Thank you, God, so much. This is... Wait a minute. There's a three-story mansion over there. It's the, the, the sidewalks and driveway are scarlet and gray. There's a 50-foot flagpole with an Ohio State flag waving in the wind. The, the swimming pool shaped like a horseshoe. And all the, the windows have like the Buckeye symbol on it. And Brutus is on the front door. I mean, God, I don't mean to sound ungrateful, but I mean, I was an all-pro kicker. I won three Super Bowls. I, I, I'm in the Hall of Fame. So, what's your point? Why would Urban Meyer get a bigger house than me? <laughs> That's not Coach Meyer's house. That's mine. Go Bucks. Let me feel the anointing. You feel the anointing. <laughs> we filmed that three weeks ago by faith. But deep down in my heart, I knew we could show that video. Come on, encourage the Acts of Joy team. That's their best video yet. <laughs> Let's show that again. One, two. <laughs> Remember this life point, ladies and gentlemen, while I refocus, check it out. We want more, better, faster, and we want it now. Boy, that's us, isn't it? I mean, we, just, we live in that kind of culture. Listen to me very closely. The Bible teaches a, teaches a very delicate tension, and you need to understand both. How many understand that there's nothing wrong with having biblical desires. Bob teaches that in Mark 11, 24, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 24, the Bible says, the desire of the righteous will be granted. Psalms 37 and verse 4, the Bible says, when you delight yourself in God, he will give you, watch this, the desires of your heart. There is nothing wrong with you desiring more. However, as long as it's biblical, however, there is a counterbalance in the Bible, and the Bible is such a balanced book that teaches us the power of contentment. So at the same time, it's okay to believe God for more. You can believe God for that promotion. You can believe God for a better house. There's nothing wrong with that. As long as things are biblical, that's fine. There's a delicate tension within the word of Biblical desires balanced by biblical contentment. And you have to strike that balance, and you have to strike it very, very well. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, 11 through 13, he said, in all states that I'm in, I'm learned. Remember say learned? I've learned to be content. Contentment, the Greek word autoarxe, auto, autobiography, self-arxe, strong. It, to me, it means to be self-strong in all circumstances. And the way that we are strong biblically, Nehemiah 10, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So when you see that word contentment, you could say it this way. You learn to choose joy in all circumstances. Right where you are, 
you've learned, and it is a learned response. You have to learn how to be content, particularly if you're a young person. People I won't want more, and I won't be happy until here. No, 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 no. We have to learn how to be happy and how to be thankful and how to be joyful right where we are. Biblical desires are fine. Biblical desires are good. But how many know we are where we are now? If I'm always going to wait to be happy or wait to be thankful when those biblical desires arrive, they're going to live a pretty miserable life. Because we are where we are now, and in all states, I have learned to be content. And Paul goes on to say in verse 12, I've learned how to abase, I've learned how to abound. And then verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. We take that verse all by itself, and I understand that. But in context, he's talking to you and I and telling us that no matter what circumstance we are in, we can be content right where we are. Case in point, now this is my 34th, 35th year of ministry. I mean, I've preached just about anywhere you can imagine. And I've preached at some of the, the best places you can imagine. I've preached at some of the most challenging places that you can imagine. And, and I tell this story all the time. I, I was preaching in Guatemala a while back. And I stayed in a pastor's home. And, and when I say home, please, it was literally a shack. This was the best that he had. And, and he, he put a, a curtain up between his very, very small house. There was no floor. It was all dirt. And he put a curtain up, and his wife and, and him uh, uh, were sleeping over here on this side. And me and a pastor friend were sleeping over here on this side, and we were sleeping on the floor. And I remember going to bed the very first night, and it was the best that he could do. I remember going to bed the very first night, and I remember a bug about this big crawled not over my body but over my face. And you guys, I could feel its little legs as it crawled over my face. And it was about this big. And I think it was a bug. It could have been a rat. Don't really know. Don't really care. Didn't get a lot of sleep that night. <laughs> I mean, I was always wondering, what was this giant thing? And will it come back? <laughs> and that was not the best sleep I ever had. Plus, they had a pest rooster in their home and literally stayed in the shack on their side. And this rooster, it didn't matter what was happening, this rooster always at 5 o'clock in the morning would crow at the top of its lungs. Now remember, the night before I didn't get much sleep thanks to the demonic bug that crawled across my face. And now we got this rooster that I think crowed at Peter's denial. <laughs> that was crowing at 5 in the morning. Listen to me very closely. Even in that spot, I learned to be content. Now, I preach at different churches where they put me up in the embassy suites. I got to tell you, nothing crawled across my face at night. There was no rooster. I got good sleep. It was lovely. But I was no more content at the embassy suites than I was in Guatemala on the floor. Now, I slept better in the embassy suites, but I was no more content. I was no more thankful. I was no more joyful because I learned a long time ago that no matter where I am, I've learned to be content. So can you. So let me help you. Let me give you five co concepts on contentment. And some of these you'll know and recognize, but this will help you be a thankful person. Are you ready? Here we go. Let's talk them real quick. Check it out. Number one, 
One of the devil's biggest lies is the one thing you don't have is the one thing that'll make you happy. That is a lie, and it started in the Garden of Eden. They had this whole beautiful, lush garden, this whole park, really, if you study the Hebrew language, all kinds of trees at their disposal, and the devil wanted them to focus on the one thing they didn't have. If you just get this one thing, then you'll be happy. As a pastor, I've watched so many people over the years leave their spouse that they're 80% pleased with. They, do, they, they enjoy 80% of their marriage and 80% of their spouse, but they leave to find 20% that they don't have. And, and, I, and I watch them, and listen to me, listen to me very closely. You may do that to find your 20, 20%, but trust me on this one, everybody has a 20%. Some people have 25, 30, 35, 40, but you don't know till you jump over that fence and go to what you think is greener grass. The grass is always greener on the other side till you got to mow it. Second thing you need to know if you're going to be content, check it out. It's not, and this is the subtitle, it's not happy people are grateful, it's grateful people who are happy. That's your key to success. Your Bible tells you, the, at Proverbs 24, verses 4 and 5, the Bible says, Do not let your eyes focus on what you don't have. The Bible says, Proverbs 27 and verse 20, he compares you and I with hell and destruction. Watch this now. The eyes of man and hell and destruction are the same. Why? Because they're never satisfied. Third thing we need to understand, check it out. Gratitude turns whatever we have into enough. It's worth coming for right there. Got awful quiet in this house. Can't say, I'm not saying you can't have more. I'm not saying you can't have biblical desires. I just told you you could. But right now you are where you are. So when are we ever going to be thankful? How about now? Fourth thing we need to understand, check it out. Learn to be content with your contents. You know how it is, man. We got, I just saw the, I just saw the, uh, they got the, all the phones now, they, now they got the 10 Max. <laughs> I saw, I was, I was pumping gas coming home from our uh, uh, staff advance, uh, pumping gas, and they had this little TV, you know, on the, on the gas thing, and they had this thing where they're now pushing uh, fake noses, plastic noses, for women, where you just insert like a little plastic thing off and on uh, to, so that you can have like a Michael Jackson nose. <laughs> Seriously, I'm not all that. You've got to be kidding me. Turn, turn your neighbor and say, beat it. Come on. <laughs> Number five, check it out. Be healed of someone's sickness and destination disease. Be healed of that. What, what, what is that? As soon as I meet someone, that's when I'm going to be happy. As soon as when I get to this destination, that's when I'm going to be happy. When will we ever be happy now? Right. Well, when I graduate from college, I'm going to be happy. When I get a new car, I'm going to be happy. When I finally get married, I'm going to get happy. When I get this promotion, I'm going to get a bit happy. When I finally retire, I'm going to... When will we be happy now? So true. 
Third thought that we need to have if we're going to live a lifestyle of thanks living, and boy, is this true, check it out. Turn every blessing you have into praise. Every blessing that you have into praise. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, this life point will explain it perfectly. Check it out. Every blessing we don't turn into praise turns into pride. If I, don't, if I don't say, thank you, Lord, for this, thank you, Lord, for this, thank you, Lord, for this, then I think I got it. I did it. That, that, that was me. Boy, that's one thing I'm cautious about doing. That God's done some wonderful things around this place, and I'm so thankful. But, man, I make sure I turn it into praise so it doesn't turn into pride. I give God thanks. Could somebody give God thanks right now? Come on. And here's the key, guys. It's all what we focus on. It's all what we focus on. Because if you don't focus on the right thing, you're never going to be a thankful person. Let me explain. Many years ago, I, I've got a fishing boat. Sometimes when I tell about that, it's not a, it's not a yacht. It's a fishing boat. A 19-foot fishing boat. I saved up for years at Miss Ann's request, <laughs> we must have a boat, honey. We must have a fishing boat. Okay, if you insist, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> Saved up for seven years to buy the boat cash because we never pay credit for a boat. I buy the boat cash. It's not a yacht. It's a boat. If you don't like it, you're never going to ever look at it or touch it or get on it or fish with me. And it's not likely that you will anyway. 2,200 of you, that's not going to likely happen. I'm trying to be honest. And so we're out there fishing, and it's hot, and I'm not catching nothing, and I'm kind of a little bit whiny about it, you know, and man, we ain't catching nothing. It's hot. And all of a sudden, we can't find John. John at the time was maybe six years old, seven years old. Can't find him anywhere. I don't know, but you remember, I remember I told you I was a lifeguard. My first stint as a lifeguard was at a lake. And if you know anything about lifeguarding at lakes, if you don't see the person go down, they're in big trouble. It's not like a swimming pool. If you don't see them go down in the ocean or the lake, they're, they're likely going to die. And so we're looking around, and there's no John. I mean, and it's a lake, and there's nobody else around. No John, no nothing. He's six, seven years old. We're looking around. John. John. John, and we had drifted a little bit. I had a trolling motor, and we drifted a little bit. I was thinking, what in the world? I didn't see him going. He had his life jacket on. I thought maybe he got out of it. Maybe he wiggled out of it, and, 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 and you know, what? And John, John, and, of course, every time the John got a little bit louder, you could feel fear trying to grasp. It's around your mind. You know that if you're a mom and dad, have you ever experienced that? Maybe at a mall or something like that. John! And then all of a sudden, I hear this little voice, Daddy, Daddy. And he had worked his way under the bow of the boat. There's a little ring there that you attach a rope to if you need it towed. And he just was holding on to the ring, having the time of his life. I grabbed him by his life jacket, and I hauled him with one hand into the boat, and I Loved on him. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I didn't care anything about the heat. I didn't care anything about the fact that I had not caught a fish. My focus was completely on something else. 
And what we focus on determines whether we're going to be a thankful people or not. I mean, come on, give God thanks. Let me give you four facets of focus. You've heard some of these before. This will help you focus on the right thing as we're living a lifestyle of Thanksgiving. Check it out. Number one, focus on what you do have, not on what you don't. If you're going to be thankful, that's the only way to do it. Number two, check it out. Focus on how far you've come, not how far you need to go. I say this all the time, but I must remind us all the time. I, I remember John growing up. John was always measuring himself. He still does this to this day. He's almost the same height that I am. And, and he never focuses on how far he needs to go. He always focuses on how far how much he's grown. And now whenever we take pictures, we took a picture here recently, and I'm always all the time standing on my tiptoes. May I challenge you, quit focusing on how far you need to go. Focus on how far you've come. Third thing you need to remember, check it out. Focus on the fact that while you aren't where you want to be, thank God you're not where you used to be. Come on, thank God for that. You're not where you used to be. You are not where you used to be. You've grown. Things are different. You know, you're, you're not walking on water, you're not Billy Graham, but you're not where you used to be. You need to focus on that. The fourth thing you need to focus on, check it out. You haven't arrived, but at least you've left. You've left. Listen to me. Not just this Thanksgiving season, but all of our lives. May I challenge you to live a lifestyle of thanks living? Because I discovered a long time ago, it's not happy people that are thankful. It's thankful people that are happy. May I challenge you? Be like the one leper that came back for the littlest thing or for the biggest thing. And be somebody that says to God, that says to Jesus, that says to other people, thank you.